What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode number 40 of Through the Veil. I am your host, Alex Nelson, and today I have a super, super special episode for you with my dear friend Savage, aka Donnie. He is an amazing music producer, as well as one of the most deeply spiritually tapped in people that I've met. And we go super deep on this episode, talking about some very, very esoteric spiritual concepts and talking about music as well, of course, which he makes some of the dopest sort of spiritual, ancestral, future bass music that you could ever want to hear. And... Yeah, this episode I just really enjoyed uh, riffing and going super, super deep on topics I don't always get to talk about, so I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed it to record, and if you do, please leave a five-star review on either our Spotify or on iTunes, wherever you're listening, and share the episode with a friend. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Alexander Diesel, and you can find all of Donnie's links to his social medias in the show notes, so check those out, go follow him on Instagram and stuff. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, Donnie, welcome to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Uh, you can give everyone a little intro of who you are and kind of what you do. And yeah, then we'll jump into it. Yeah, man. Uh, glad to be here and glad to see you. It's been a while. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm Donnie. Many of you know me as Savage. I produce um, electronic, kind of shamanic electronic music. None of us really know what to call the music that we make is. Uh, I don't really fit it into a box, but Ancient Future feels like a, a good condensed description, if you want to call it that. Um, and, you know, otherwise, uh, I'm just a student of life and fascinated by this miraculous thing that we call creation and infinitely grateful for my ability to participate in it and I tend to treat the universe like a like a giant really fun mystery game and see the magic and everything and synchronicity and my life is loaded with an indescribable amount of synchronicity and I, I've come to really pay attention to that over the last decade and it's and it's leading me places that I couldn't have imagined so yeah so it's a brief intro yeah beautiful so i'd love to hear a little bit because i'm always curious and one of my favorite things about being on a podcast with someone that i actually know in real life is getting to uncover these little corners of your story that i've never gotten to hear so tell me a little bit about like what first got you into music and what was sort of the developmental progress process of producing music and how you actually like originally got started with that because it's not something i know yeah yeah um I mean, I like came out of the womb making rhythms like I was drumming on everything all the time. And, uh, you know, when I was really young, my mom was like, man, he's going to be a drummer. I'm going to get him a drum set. And then she really thought about that when it was like, fuck that. <laughs> I'm not putting a drum set in my house. So uh, for me, it started with playing guitar when I was like six. And um, yeah, I, I wanted to get a microphone to record my guitar. So I got my first like DAW, like production program and I realized all of the infinite possibilities that you can achieve uh through these programs and through the use of MIDI and assigning sounds to keyboards and all that it was game over after that so I just started really trying to see what could transpire and the possibilities are so limitless that 
when you develop an adequate skill set and that's ingrained in your head, uh, you can achieve like a true flow state and just kind of step aside consciously and let this, you know, this principal creative force of the universe kind of just channel through you and, and, and express itself through you and your predispositions and your genetics and all of that. And, you know, essentially truly transcribe your soul into this audio expression music is music is a decoration of time in the same way that visual art is a decoration of a canvas and so in decorating that time you're able to like it's such a magical thing because music being a sensory experience embeds itself directly into your nervous system and causes an indescribable amount of emotions and the need to move and dance and move these feelings throughout your nervous system and particularly the type of music that I make because I'm so fascinated by the nature of reality and the nature of mind and the nature of the universe um, and many of these concepts uh, which I'm sure we'll dive into here are knowable only to a certain extent while you're while you're embedded in the human condition and language is is a is an incredible barrier for understanding and transmitting true experience because all we have is our interpretations i'm trying to articulate something in a certain way and transmit the hologram that's in my brain into your brain and that hologram is distorted by your personal experiences and your beliefs and expectations about it and your understandings etc but my point is is that music tends to be able to translate these gnosis and understandings directly into your nervous system and directly past that conscious filter at the forefront of your mind right into your subconscious and it it transmits that hologram in its pristine original condition and there's something really special about that because um it, it it really speaks where language does not and that's the kind of music that uh that i intend to create and the fact that thus far it's been so well received has been the biggest blessing of my life yeah absolutely man yeah it's it's beautiful because i think music and one of the things i find amazing about electronic music but all all forms of music has really supplanted church and worship service in a weird way because of exactly the phenomena you're talking about if you go watch mm -hmm. any music festival and you stand in the crowd there's this collective experience being had of what is being communicated through the music and that collective experience is what someone would have gotten from a church service 100 300 500 years ago or a ritual or some deep initiation and so there's a lot of people who or even just having the experience without maybe having the awareness of why they keep seeking that experience. But it's this deep sort of all the way back to when we were just like banging a drum around a fire type of yearning that our soul has for that type of experience, because we're connecting to something deeper. You know, one of my teachers, she said once, she was like, do you know why a drum beat is so powerful? And I was like, no, why? She's like, well, think about it. Thump, thump 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 when's the first time you heard that noise it's like oh in my mom's womb it's like it's even before you're born you have rhythm you feel these right. things so it has such a deep piece to it that really 
I think, like you said, goes beyond words and gets people to this either ecstatic or expressive state where they can let things out that they didn't know they needed to process and move things through them that maybe they couldn't have put in words, but they know that they're moving them. Yeah, all in the spirit of celebration, too. Uh, this is a really important point is that, like, especially in these collective experiences that are shared with, you know, base and the full sonic spectrum of experience um it, it's it's you're moving all of these things all with the consistent remembrance that life can be an ecstatic experience and and is and you kind of remember this like sacred celebration vibe and it circulates throughout an entire group and it becomes something really special because like i was saying kind of music speaks where words fail um no one no one has to has to speak the thing that everyone's feeling because everyone's feeling it at the same time and yeah. there's something really beautiful about that the communication's all in people looking at each other going holy shit yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> this yeah. right here that was it. yeah yeah exactly yeah. yeah it's so beautiful um so let's take a slight left turn here but something that's interrelated into psychedelics and theogens which are another way that we achieve this ecstatic i mean essentially connection to something greater than ourselves this is the core of spirituality it's your connection to something greater and psychedelics do a wonderful job of that so mm -hmm. tell me sort of your first moments with psychedelics what those were like and kind of how those informed the directions you've gone in your life yeah so my story starts with psilocybin like many and i was 14 and i'm lucky enough to grow up down here in louisiana where psilocybin cubensis grows rampantly in cow pastures after a good rain when they're in season so when i was that young we never used to weigh doses or anything like that so you know and i would i would go to these fields and just fill grocery bags up with with mushrooms and put them in a crawfish boiling pot and just split the tea that I made amongst however many people were there to hang out. So as it naturally unfolds, when you have these big bags of mushrooms and this night, there's not that many people to split them with, <laughs> you end up having a, a sacramental experience very quickly that in which you realize beyond the shadow of a doubt, no matter how old you are, no matter what your background is, that this is a molecular biotechnology. This is not a recreational drug of, of any kind and that it's connecting synapses in my brain and, and forming these new understandings that felt impossible to achieve prior to, to this experience. And meanwhile, I'm having experiences reminiscent of all of the cultures around the world from Egypt to the Mayan and Aztec Inca vibes to South America. And like, it's just overflowing my senses and my cognition. And really, even at age 14, with these high dose experiences, I was able to fully step into the gnosis that I'm bridging the gap between the veil of my conscious mind and my subconscious mind. And then I was having direct access to my epigenetic switches, like interfacing directly with my morphogenetic field and making changes that would therefore result in like a more positive configuration for my conscious and subconscious minds and that happened very quickly defragging the hard drive yeah exactly from all the shit that came with the previous owners 
yeah 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 and not that i would recommend this because i was young but it most certainly shaped the way that my brain developed like there's no there's no question about that um it 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 not only physically and psychologically shaped my brain's development but as a result subsequently it it put me on the path that i'm on right now beyond shadow of a doubt i probably i don't know where i'd be right now without having those experiences early on and then i got into when i was 17 or 18 got into dmt and obviously um nobody is ready for what that experience is until you until you do it but you know i did a, a year's worth of research on arrowhead and these amazing resources where people can share their experiences openly and um so you know i was overly fascinated um and then you know once i dove into that into that world and the universe and its infinite manifestations like really unfolded uh it was just astonishment forever and trying to do what i can to um you know sonically transcribe that experience and the mystery that all of this is shrouded in and the mystery of the cosmos into my music and transmit that gnosis that we were talking about earlier that's yeah, beautiful what do you think were some of the main things that you gained from these early experiences in terms of the way that it shaped your personality the way that it shaped your trajectory like what was it informing you on well dude so much i'm not even sure where to begin on that but i guess i guess one of the main things that i could say is you know i had i had a very imperfect childhood and uh parental situation all that kind of stuff and i wasn't exactly i wasn't exactly sure what love was and 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 how to describe it i wasn't sure that i that I, that my life was surrounded in it and all of that and then through the enveloping of these of these very profound and really intense experiences uh, i came to understand what love is as a principal creative force of the universe and like really feel it as like a liquid that surrounds me and just yeah. like is being ac accepted into my nervous system and, and just developing an understanding and and a true understanding of of faith which as the law of one material describes faith is it's a mistake to assume that that faith is something that you should believe in without proof that's a real misnomer of faith but the true the true meaning of faith is a very deep and genuine understanding that all is well and that all is unfolding as it should. And uh, these experiences allowed me to really deeply synaptically make that connection that no matter what this giant cosmic play is playing out exactly as it should. And I'm just a, a, a node of witnessing awareness for that and that I should always, always learn how to shift back into gratitude for simply witnessing this incredible experience unfold as creation and uh yeah that really helped me get there in a way that totally changed my life absolutely yeah it's so funny because I, I remember one of my first major experiences as i was you know really attempting to cure myself of alcoholism uh, i had this very you know i took five or six grams alone in my room in the dark and no music even just went straight for it and said, all right, this will, this will work or it won't, but we'll find out. And there's a certain, uh, I often see clients now who 
there's a certain type of like I guess depression or just not caring about yourself that actually is like almost helpful because I was like I was fully surrendered I was like if I die I die like let's see what happens but in that experience I got to this really root moment where my every molecule of my being just dissolved out into the universe and each and every molecule of my being was completely encompassed by unconditional divine love and it was just this sigh of relief I was like oh okay mm-hmm. and like you said like it it forms this basis for everything else I do now because I know that that's at the core I know that that's at the root it's like okay I you know whatever I'm feeling interrelationally with other humans, I know that this is the basis on which I'm building. And it creates this energetic stability for me that allows me to do a lot of really dope shit, allows me to believe in myself, allows me to go like, oh yeah, let's run the experiment and see if that works. Maybe I should just try. So it's really a beautiful thing when other people reflect those types of experiences because I think it's such a fundamental gift that psychedelics can offer is that experience. Mm Right. And this is this is the gnosis or the beginning of the gnosis of of the concept of God and and what that is and understanding the universe as an intelligent energy that's consistently unfolding itself as creation by distorting this this quantum field of potential and that quantum field of potential is infinity and it is God and it is unity because by nature something that is infinite has to imply unity because manyness is a finite concept in and of itself so understanding this this field as god and understanding yourself as a distortion of it and understanding that there are numerous other layers of distortion that set the parameters for the play for which god can express itself in many individual forms but like really the understanding that you are that that you are this thing you are one lens of this thing and will always be um has really really hit home for me in some of these experiences like you're talking about like that sigh and just like there's this crazy gnosis that exists just beyond the veil the very useful veil of the subconscious and conscious minds which allows us for all this learning and growth in this human experience but right behind that veil is that full understanding and gnosis that does not require interpretation because it's a self-evident truth when you feel it in your nervous system and you understand that you're a a facet of this many faceted diamond of expression of this of this field and that we are the distortion of this field of potential being turned into a kinetic and like expressing itself breathing and then coming back into it and doing doing it all over again so that this field or creator or god whatever you want to call it can can experience itself and know itself as it asks the question like what am i or what can i be and then it goes and bees it and then comes back you know it's a beautiful process yeah there's a couple concepts there that i love one the idea of the big bang as the cosmic exhale and then mm-hmm. eventually there's an inhale in which everything returns to the zero point and is perfect unity. And then there's an Correct. exhale and an inhale. It's one of the things I think is really most profound about the Judaic tradition is that core concept of what's the one thing a God without limitation lacks? Limitation. Right. And so it gives us the space to love our specificity that we've created ourselves into because this is a gift we gave ourselves. Like right. we, we chose this because this was something that was desirable for some reason. 
And mm -hmm. so it allows you to love the little imperfections and the quirks of life. It's like, look, we already had limitlessness. <laughs> like, cool. But we chose this for a right. reason, because this is something different. By giving ourselves limitation, we allow ourselves to play a game. And that right. perfect allness is undifferentiated. And so exactly. in the moments I can actually experience, even when I'm going through some difficult shit, coming back to that core truth is like, okay, cool. This has something to teach me. I'm in cosmic school for some reason right now. Awesome. Right, right, right. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, like the breath that you're talking about is, is a really beautiful thing. And that's the, the imposing of these limitations as we chose to come and distort ourselves and, and, essentially amuse ourselves by doing so in various ways and things can feel so serious sometimes but ultimately this breath exists as an explosion of separation and of of a lowering of density of awareness and the opposite or inverse function of that we call evolution as as the as the mind and our physical vessels evolve back towards the capability to understand pure unity of thought, which is, which is that field and, uh, you know, God, whatever you want to call it. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's such, it's such a playground and such a school all in one. And it's really just at the end of the day for, for experiencing growth and evolution and love and all the things and, and, and this fear of reality for the human experience is a very particular set of limitations. It's a very particular physical able-bodiedness. It's a very particular bandwidth of sensory perceptual tools to be able to understand the electromagnetic fields that we're surrounded in that we call visible light and sound and all of these things. And uh, yeah, it just sets the parameter for a really beautiful reality show, dude. And I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, one thing I always try to do with my audience is speak to the the biggest skeptic out there and you know to that person who's listening right now going yeah alex donnie that's a bunch of woo-woo bullshit <laughs> my retort is always that pragmatically this belief set serves you better than any belief set i've found 100 percent. just the way that your life will go if you believe that you have to some extent chosen this that things are happening for you to experience differentiation. It is a belief set that can make a lot of things that would otherwise be unbearable, be very bearable in terms of mm -hmm. when we talk about like Victor Frankl's man's search for meaning. This is like the core piece of that. It's like a man with, with a why can bear almost any how. It's like, give yourself that why and watch how things go in your life. And you'll be astonished at how quickly some things can progress and become better and spiral upwards. Yeah, yeah. Totally, man. Um, yeah, this, first of all, I resonate myself with the with the skepticism, because like I was designed with two very, very distinct archetypes in my mind, the scientist and the mystic. And um, I really I wrote something a while back, like really reconciling them. And I, I realized over the last couple of years, in particular, that I've been able to start a negotiation between these archetypes in my mind and, and really they both realize that they're just looking at each other through some distorted funhouse mirror right and that, that they're all just filters of of belief and astonishment and the the best framework that I personally and it's probably not for everyone but 
because of my particular dispositions towards skepticism and needing analytical scientific data to back some of the woo-woo shit that circulates because I'm magnetically repelled from like most woo-woo shit unless there's context yeah (laughs) unless there's context and unless there's some type of like if you have a reason to be saying this and you're not just regurgitating some shit you read on like an article like starseeds.com or some shit then then we can talk but like my brain just filters it out. Um, I, I I feel bad about it sometimes, but not really because I just need additional context. So because of because of that predisposition, I have really found the framework provided by the law of one material to be the most important thing and piece of information that I've ever ever come across. And it's so unbelievably concise in its articulations of how creation unfolds and what this is and what to do with that information that it's like, it just it hits you straight in the nervous system. And what I find really, really fascinating about that material is that much of it is a self-evident truth, which is, as I've said before, really, really rare in the use of language. Usually a self-evident truth is something that can only be experienced directly. Like 5-MeO-DMT, for example, presents itself as a self-evident truth and you experience this intelligent field that we're talking about, the zero-point field. But through the use of language, it's exceedingly rare. And I've um, I've found that material to be so concise that it presents itself that way absolutely take us through a couple of the core concepts of the law of one material what what are the main pieces at least that you've gleaned from it that have been important to you yeah so um man where to begin i guess i guess i can go off on a tangent for a second about this because it's it's a lot but um so essentially like we were talking about this field, this this field of intelligent infinity, right? It's a potential as quantum mechanics describes a wave function. A wave is infinite potential, meaning that it is everything and nothing at the same time, exactly as described by many Eastern traditions uh, of these concepts of everything and nothingness. And something has to collapse the wave function and draw from this potential to create something. And you turn this this infinity or this intelligent infinity as it's described in the material into intelligent energy which is a kinetic which can be pulled from and the first way that this wave function separates itself into manyness is through what we can most accurately term and these terms are just best linguistic descriptions of a thing right but what we can act what, what we can most closely describe as free will or will and as this wave function derives will of itself it has the ability to focus now to focus on an aspect of itself and therefore from a quantum physical perspective collapse the wave function and generate something from that and that manifestation of will and focus um, steps down in a hierarchy into what we call logos or love which is the universal mind and that that is the principal creative force of the universe the thing that simultaneously separates itself from unity but seeks unity in return that's the the magnetic uh repulsion and attraction of the toroidal field of separation and return to this thing and then that 
in order to manifest as creation distorts itself as what we call light and light is is the transmission of information that allows for experience through these lenses of manyness and so from those first three steps or stepping stones down from the infinite field everything in creation unfolds from those things will the ability to focus logos the cosmic thought or mind kind of mental machine and love same principle which manifests as light and then that unfolds as all of creation for this for this field to be able to experience itself as we were discussing and so from in this framework from that kind of cosmic level of this universe there are a stepping down of consciousness um, and, and of levels of creators and creation. And so that begins by the first logos, which is the kind of the cosmic mind, the universal mind described by Carl Jung, described by so many people, um, steps itself down into various levels of sub logos or co-creators, right? Who can each draw their parameters from the cosmic logos but also set very minute different details in their parameters for their kind of sphere of reality that they create so the first sub logos or the first co-creator is the supermassive black hole at the center of a galaxy mm. and that sets the parameters for that entire sphere of reality that we call that galaxy and then that steps itself down into various levels of co-creators once again so that steps down and the, the, for lack of a better term, the sub sub logos, the second level of stepping down is your local star. And for us, that would be the sun. Um, you know, and you'll probably hear a lot of parallels in what I'm about to say to a lot of the, the original solar religions. Uh, there's a reason that, that that was the thing. So the sun at our scale of existence is is our creator it is the sub sub logos that generates our sphere of reality and it does so in two ways one way is nuclear fusion on a physical level so it takes single legos building blocks which we call hydrogen and helium and only in the core of stars is the pressure so intense that it, it causes nuclear fusion and the subsequent creation of the more complex elements required for life and then it sneezes these things into space via coronal mass ejections and solar flares and all that. And that's what physically set the parameters for the planets to form for the oxygen, nitrogen, carbon, everything to, to, to be in play in this cosmic soup that eventually manifests through the intelligence of the universe, through the intelligence of the sun manifests as what we know as our sphere of reality and earth. And so that's step one, nuclear fusion, the sun creates us on a physical level. Step two is that it also illuminates our path. So it illuminates us for experience without the sun, we cannot experience much less live. So, but we wouldn't be able to see or understand or perceive what's happening. So it's the light that's the transmission of information. So if you recall, the whole purpose of this is so that the creator can experience itself. Mm -hmm. So the sun is a conscious thing and it is experiencing itself through us right here, right now. And so what happens is the undistorted white light of the sun is prismatically separated through what we call the seven energy centers of the human system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're called chakras, energy centers, whatever. And I, I used to be really really averse by that concept 
because there was no additional context, but I've come to understand it as, um, as a signal processing chain for consciousness. It's really just a, a, an innate, inherently built into our software and hardware processing chain for everything that we consciously experience starting at the root like am i safe am i gonna die am i taken care of then your sacral or what we the orange ray energy center which deals in your relationships one-on-one then your yellow ray which is your relationship to self uh as as related to society in large groups and then the heart unconditional love which is really the gnosis of seeing this creator of seeing this creator in everyone and everything around you. That's really my definition of unconditional love moving up to the throat, the Blu-ray, the Ajna chakra, which is the, the pineal gland is that, that ability to directly sensorially connect to this field of intelligent infinity, um, whether it's, whether it's through the use of will or whether it's through the use of entheogens or whatever. And so the sun's light is separated into this kind of signal processing chain of seven densities and so this whole process is the sun experiencing itself it is the creator experiencing itself because it physically becomes its own mirror by spewing the the ingredients to get us here physically and then illuminating its own path for what is experienced within that sphere of reality Mm. it becomes its own mirror that way so at our scale of creation this is how the creator experiences itself from a physics standpoint, right? And this is all a combination of mind, body, and spirit. Like this is this is a physical, a psychological, and a spiritual process. Spiritual, of course, meaning like the journey of understanding the nature of self, of what it means to be distorted into this individual form and partake in individuality. Um, so yeah, and then ultimately in this framework, a black hole is because our our sun is not massive enough to collapse into a black hole like some stars do but what will happen is it will implode into a white dwarf star eventually and it will be consumed by another black hole whether it makes it all the way around the spiral into the supermassive black hole at the center of the milky way or whether it gets hit by a black hole or crosses the event horizon of another one the law of one describes this as is the systematic reabsorption of all of the information of what the creator learned of itself in the cycle prior, because this light is reflective back and this light carries information. So all of our conscious experiences, I believe, are stored somehow in this holographic material. And um, when, when it's exposed to a black hole, it is systematically reabsorbed and what happens is that this black hole then creates a new logos or a new universal mind that essentially contains the parameters and incorporates all of the information of what this creator learned of itself and whatever was absorbed by that quadrant of the cosmos into that black hole it creates a new so it's a feedback loop and this is in perfect alignment with how fractal mathematics works because fractal mathematics essentially is a feedback loop in and of itself because you have a function and you have the output of that function and then you feed the output of that function back into the input and you start it over and what you see is a holographic representation typically that has 
all of the same parameters of the main original image and the main original output, but very slight variations that are infinite, like infinite little variations across the whole thing. And that's exactly what we see expressed in the universe. It's exactly what we see expressed on all scales in nature, um, everything. And this, this whole thing is just a giant feedback loop of experience and feeding that experience back into the beginning and generating new and new and new information and complexity as it goes on does all that make sense it does yeah i'm filtering it through my own uh frames of reference you know on one scale it's a cosmic level process of alchemy of reabsorbing burning off impurities and coming to a more and more pure source material with mm. the goal of eventually reaching the philosopher's stone let's say right. which the ultimate perfection which would be returned to unity return to oneness and you know it's funny because like when you say self-evident truths it's funny because you'll be able to observe the same concept across many different religions and traditions so for me working with the tree of life and the kabbalistic tradition the tree of life at its core is a representation of the universe and it's this idea that there's the first sphere but actually above that sphere, there's three veils, Ein, Ein Sof, and Ein Sof Ah. Ein is null. Like you can't even say nothing, it's null. It's just, you couldn't think of it. It's non-conceptual, total non-existence. The second veil is no thing, which implies the presence of a thing. If something is nothing, then there is a thing for it to be contrasted right. against. And then that third veil is limitless light which is where we take that step from total god love light and right. then as it goes through each of the sephira on the tree of life each one is representative of a different quality coming into being until we ultimately get to malkuth at the bottom which is the kingdom which is you know the playground that we exist in so it's just funny that these same concepts are scattered through whatever religion mm -hmm. or tradition you want to jump into which of course ultimately makes you go okay well at what point do exactly. we see enough archetypal representations of something across different time spans of cultures but didn't really interact with each other and go hmm how did they all come to this conclusion yeah how did yeah. they get to this yeah exactly man yeah the the i'm glad you brought the the ain and the ain sofa because like those those concepts directly translate to what I was talking about regarding like the first three distortions of how this field is is transmitted in from unity into into manyness and the the ain or ein is kind of the the intelligent infinity before it's tapped before it's it's like kind of it's intelligent the intelligent infinity or God in its latent state before it's turned into a, a kinetic. And the Ain Sof is that potential once it's been tapped by will and focus. So it understands that it can be something and it can ask itself, well, what can I be? And when it needs to answer that question, light is generated as a means through which to experience all of these things. And uh, yeah, so I mean, all of these frameworks are like directly parallel to each other. And, and it's important to understand that um, they're all attempts at using language to articulate a thing. And you have to be, you have to be 
really cognizant when digesting these frameworks from just one lens because they're doing the best they can with language and at the time it was written and we're doing the best we can with translating it because sometimes these languages are extremely incompatible and cause like different interpretations than the writers originally intended but i find in my paths of study that um really absorbing and note-taking of the parallels that we're discussing right now between all of these conceptual frameworks is really where the magic is because you can start to see what's constant and what's consistent and you can also have an inner narrative that's constructed out of many different articulations about the same thing and that's how i personally learn the best is hearing the same shit said in a million different words and 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 articulations because then like understanding sets in and i can transmit something that i know into understanding which is two totally fucking different things Absolutely. and they're not even in the same field and so like i'm i'm constantly on a mission because like i know a lot of things and I understand few of them. Like, so I'm on a I'm on a mission constantly to like to to like flip that gnosis of these things into understanding of them. And that's how I get there is by numerous articulations and like really okay, like drawing parallels consciously and subconsciously, you know. Yeah, it's such a useful practice, I think, for anyone to start to investigate. Because also what I'm sure you've found and what anyone listening will find is these abstractions and uses of language to describe universe actually work at every level of the fractal if they're ultimately true so with Mm -hmm. the tree of life it's both a tool with which to conceptualize like oh this is how god came into being created everything etc etc but also it's a tactical tool that you can apply to your own life and go okay where am i on the tree right now where am i out of balance Mm -hmm. Where am I in terms of my level of consciousness moving along this? So all of these tools are just not not only useful for the armchair magician who is sitting and going, hmm, yeah, I wonder, how did God become God? Mm-hmm. How did that happen? But yeah. rather tactically useful within the context of your day-to-day life when approaching 100%. 100%, yeah. And and that's the that's the work man that's that that is the journey is understanding how this thing functions as a hologram and how these understandings of the larger cosmos are directly an understanding of the of the microcosm that exists within you and understanding all of these occult forces and and all of these myths and and legends and and all of the stories that humanity has told itself as really describing various aspects of the nature of the human condition and the mind and the psyche and everything and and this is again a hologram so every density of the if we want to use the seven density system um is is directly correlated to an aspect of your mind and that's because your mind is a seedling of this logos of this cosmic mind and and everything within it like you know many of the many of the religions talk about being made in the image of god like everything within this mind is expressed within you through your predispositioned distortions your life experiences your genetics all of these things so what you what you end up with as your output is is an essentially the output of an algorithm. Well, if this pure unity of thought and this this logos filtered down to the third level, like the sphere of reality created by our sun, 
is expressed like what happens if we express it through this predisposition distortion that i call donnie that has these certain genetics and has these certain life experiences that are constantly in here and i'm always projecting projecting the future and the past at the same time no matter how fucking hard i try not to we all do this and you know in those moments of like true present awareness you can you can really tap into to this field operating within you and like when you when you kind of really take a look at these frameworks and what each of these densities of consciousness represent they're all within you as well so then you can start really understanding well how do i apply this framework to the way that i live my life to the way that i address each of these seven aspects of consciousness to the way that i address my safety in the world and my feelings of safety the way that i address um my sexual needs or desires or you know procreation and and like my one-on-one -on -one relationships with other people to the way i address myself as a function of society to the way i address my relationship with love and how deeply i allow myself to to, to give and, and receive it to the way i allow myself to express myself and speak my truth and articulate the things that i've learned and and, and genuinely like help the collective by sharing them in the best way possible that i can hopefully relate to people with to the way that i allow myself to tap in directly to the field that i'm talking about as a sensory experience and all of these things are reflected like obviously right now we're existing within the third density experience which is largely focused on choice making and largely focused on understanding the self in relation to a large society of other selves right so like, how can I look into the nature of what third density consciousness holds and the choices and the polarities that exist within it, and then really study the nuances of that and then ingrain those, those noses of opposites, essentially, you're studying the polarities in all things. And, and how do I apply those to myself to build a, a the most positive mental configuration that I can bring and operate in the world with, you know, this is this is the work and it's never ending. Like no one has this shit figured out because there is no figuring it out. It's an art canvas like there's no answer. There's no right way to do thing. We're we're pulling this. We're pulling our own kinetic out of this field and just painting a story and living through that story. And then we're this story is going to end and then we're gonna fucking do it again and and again and again and uh it's a really beautiful thing but it does require like a level of gratitude for the whole process and a level of surrender to the fact that no matter how much we can learn and articulate like i'm always trying to do and failing that the whole thing begins and ends in mystery by design that's the whole nature of the fucking game like you're not supposed to have this figured out but I will say it's really fun to think about, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's not even that difficult of a thought experiment for people to understand why it wouldn't be desirable to have full, complete knowledge. Like the, I think it's an old Jordan Peterson example, it's slightly different, but he gives the example of like, you know, most people think what would make them happy is sitting on a beach every day and drinking margaritas. And there's nothing new that happens you're just sitting on the beach and drinking margaritas and yeah that would be really fun for day one day two maybe day three around day four it started to become hell and then eventually it would just become total like unbelievable hell because nothing's changing it's just the right. same thing over and over and over again there's nothing to learn you're not expanding 
and you're just doing the same thing over and over again so it's like it doesn't take much of a thought experiment to understand like why the mystery itself is a gift we get the experience of the mystery because it means there's always something to iterate always something to learn always something to gain and most people if they're being reflective can realize that their favorite moments in their life are usually some aspect of learning or gaining knowledge even if it's physical even if it's like sexual you're learning something about your partner's body or you're learning something about your own body learning right. that it's okay to ask for what you want or just whatever moment that is you're like gaining some new piece of yourself and then you're like oh, oh okay i can do that or that doesn't work oh wow that's really interesting so mm -hmm. yeah it's so desirable as a quality <laughs> yeah 100% man it's a there's definitely to your point there's definitely something special about the moment that you're remembering a thing and 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 that you're drawing it from that field back into your awareness it it never like when you really feel all the way into it for me at least it always feels more like a like a remembrance than a learning of something new it's like duh and i always feel the moment that this thing was like always within my grasp of like awareness but wasn't in my field of conscious awareness and i just flipped it across this curtain and i'm like oh shit duh that it always feels more like that than like learning something for me and i think that's probably the case for all of us yeah it's that feeling of how did i not know this before like yeah. it goes from <laughs> nearly completely obscured from the conscious mind to just like yeah of course that's it like yeah so simple yeah. and yet not so yeah it's really yeah interesting experience i think many musicians especially talk about and artists as well talk about you know as they're producing something like it's more of a process of opening up a direct channel and things through rather than just consciously going well i want this sound a song like this song to sound like this 100 percent. yeah i think that's why i, I... I have this certain configuration of like being able to, or at least presumably it's what I feel being able to like bridge the conscious and the subconscious mind and operate from a space of like, of my subconscious mind, like driving the ship and, but me being consciously aware that it's driving the ship and kind of allowing for that channel to open and close. Um, I get practice with that often when I'm producing music, obviously. Mm -hmm. So it's like a it's like a, a muscle that that I think that we can all exercise to do this thing where you step out of I mean this is why people like love flow practices and and things of that nature because that it's the same thing it's the same exact channel that you're opening and closing where you're just allowing the influx of that field of this like omnipresent field to express itself through your nervous system without or with the least possible amount of like conscious distortion of its expression. And then so, yeah, there's something really beautiful about it. And obviously a lot of great art comes out of that and music and all of that stuff. Yeah, I think that that state is inherently addictive in and of itself. And, you know, to me, it's probably the central pitfall of psychedelics or the thing to be aware of is that having that state on demand to some extent and at first it's beautiful because it gives you a reference point this is possible this is right. what i can be i can be the bridge to that gap i can be both my being but also connected to this much greater intelligence but over time if the practices aren't built into life 
then it becomes, oh, I need to go back to that thing so I can experience this flow, this oneness. Right. It becomes a, a pitfall that people fall into. That can be a difficult one to get out of because they're like, well, no, it's really doing positive things for me. It's like, well, what's your life look like outside of ceremony? How is right. it? And it's not even about the frequency of ceremony necessarily, but it's like, do you have other things in your life that are achieving this same goal? Or is it just that? It's always the question I ask myself as well. Right. I mean, obviously that brings that brings up the the sometimes cliche at this point term integration because people don't take the word seriously as as it as it should be and i see it becoming like a cliche word when it really shouldn't like that's kind of the main fucking point of all of this because i think it's a blessing that serotonergic psychedelics form a tolerance so quickly because you know like I don't know if you ever try to take mushrooms two days in a row, but it fucking, it's brutal. It, it does not work. <laughs> and, and it's really counterproductive. And, and in other words, it's a, it's a self unfolding teacher in that nature. It's self-regulating. And like, I think that's a, a great blessing because if we could all just stay in mushroom consciousness for forever, I mean, that would be a slippery slope. Right. But, but, these plant teachers are intelligent design, but with no doubt. And so they almost force that window of integration, but it's up to you to, to kind of keep, keep that integration in the forefront of your mind, like, you know, and just kind of make sure to use the, the proper ceremonial context and understanding when you have an altar, like tune your instrument before entering these states and then allow it to be open to really engrave the teachings, not just the sensory experience. And, and I think it becomes a lot easier, but yeah, I mean, obviously the whole point here is to be able to pull wisdom nuggets from, from the, the remembrances that occur in these states and then apply them to regular life. And it's easier said than done, dude, obviously like, like, and, and, and but when you can do that and do it at the right pace, that's for you and all of that, it's really, it's a fucking game changer, man. Like I couldn't imagine the human experience or where I would be without these medicines. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so maybe we'll, we'll dive in a little bit here to talk a little bit deeper about psychedelics, just because it's an interesting topic. And the one we're touching on, I think is the one that's least talked about and most important, which is these experiences are so beautiful and so powerful, but I think people in general attribute any plant medicine to pure benevolence, which I think at some level they are, but it's benevolence without robbing you of your free will. So answers you may get in any specific ceremony or insights or direction is going to be balanced with your gift of free will. So they're not going to force you, <laughs> which right. means that for those of us who are stubborn, I'm guilty of this plenty of times in my life, you can totally just use the medicines and not be making traction in your life. Like the self-correcting mechanism isn't necessarily there if you continually refuse the messages. And 100%, yeah. it can put you in a spot where I think, you know, I've, I've witnessed some people and I've certainly had periods like this in my life where someone's going to the magic eight ball over and over again for answers. And 
magic eight balls like look we're just gonna keep giving you the same answer but then, <laughs> right. the connection and the ceremony and all this so it's something to be aware of because it's it is the integration and integration is the honoring of the medicine in the first place like i always give the funny metaphor if, if you were my friend and i kept coming to you for advice and i come to you for advice and you're like yeah alex you should really break up with that girl man that's not healthy for you I'm like okay yeah yeah cool cool and i just go right back to her like okay first time you're not too pissed second time i come back to you talking about the same shit I'm like donnie man this girl it's all it's terrible and you're like yeah you should break up with her and then i'm like all right cool yeah good anyway see you later i go right back to her on time three you'd be like this fucking dude why are you asking me if you don't want the answer yeah very much the same with psychedelics eventually it hits the point where like okay this dude's just not like he'll figure it out on his own eventually through the path of suffering instead of the path of gifted knowledge or internal wisdom right totally yeah i think uh <clears throat> some of the some of the plants are more more forgiving in that in that sense which is probably not a good thing there there's just a more forgiving experience even when you remember that you haven't integrated the last one and they kind of blatantly show you that but like for me like dmt in particular is one that will just slap the fuck out of you if you if you went back without integrating what you learned last time it's just super unpleasant in the most productive way because it's just a hardcore hyper slap reminder that like bruh pay attention like <laughs> this shit is sacred and you're just like you know like we told you do the thing once you do the thing then come back then we'll, we'll chat again until then i'm just gonna bitch slap you every time you do this so it's a, it's a lot it's a lot less forgiving in that sense this is my experience i can't speak for everybody but um but yeah yeah man i mean my my musical creative process is kind of reflective of the process of psychedelic integration because i'll enter medicine space like hardcore in my studio and allow just like myself to enter that flow state and then put all of the main backbone and ideas of a track like every single track on my solstice album was made in this manner and mm -hmm. so like enter that deep space step out of the way allow that like creative energy to just flow through me and like i don't even think most of the time it's just like <clears throat> excuse me like whatever happens happens but i can only get so far in that process of the spark because like i'm just allowing like pure creative kind of like right brain energy to to come through but then there's all this additional work that requires logic and polishing and the the nuances of the hundreds of little things that go into my records and stuff like that that it, that those things come into play once the spark is gone mm. and so i spend the night in the medicine space putting together the main ideas and the theory and the story of the track but then i spend the following weeks doing all of the logical polishing stuff and arrangement and like all of that jazz so really that whole process in and of itself is kind of like a microcosm macrocosm of the process of taking psychedelics and then integrating it after yeah yeah absolutely makes me think of you know in the medicine space you're accessing the archetype of what you're going to put in and then afterwards is like actually writing the story it's like cool all right i need to write right. down the words that go to this you know very vivid yeah expansive image and in some ways you know part of the process of any art is being willing to kill the ultimate vision to some extent knowing that yeah. this expansive piece that you witnessed 
in medicine or out of medicine, you're not going to get it all. You might get most 100%. of it, ideally, but you got to kill some pieces. Go like, there's, I, I don't even know how I would make that a thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> we have perfect VR. I don't know how I would represent that to someone. And even then, who knows? Right. Yeah. Hundred percent, man. So when you yeah, so when you think about uh, some of the moments in your life that psychedelics have been impactful, I'm always curious to hear because everyone has like a plethora of really positive stories. But I'm always curious to hear like what was the most difficult, not necessarily negative, but difficult ceremony or series of ceremonies that you've ever gone through, and sort of what was the catalyst for that, and what did you gain at the back end of those difficult ceremonies? Hmm. Well, I'll think back a few years first, and then I'll go to last week because I'm just I'm fresh back from a week of ayahuasca in Costa Rica. I just got back like three days ago, and I had some really, really profound experiences there that really opened my heart in ways that I didn't know were possible. And uh, but first, kind of on a cosmic scale, one that really challenged me that I came back crying from was, <clears throat> excuse me, um. I was wrestling with the concept of my own immortality and I entered this DMT space thing and I was standing in a circle holding hands with these like kind of faceless humanoid beings that their face was like kind of stars. It was like a a mask of like nothingness, like they could be whoever. And so we were standing in a circle and there was like a giant stone zodiacal wheel spinning at our feet in in the circle. And they were explaining to me and like, I recognized some of them as people who are currently incarnate in my life currently, like my uncle Joey and like, just like some crazy, like just crazy connections of who some of these like faceless beings are currently in my current earth life is fucking wild. And then, so essentially they were explaining to me, that this this is going to continue forever that that we would continue incarnating together and there's no end to this and that that really struck me in a way in a way uh that I didn't really know how to process and my initial reflexive response well why like what's what's the point of all of this and I immediately I just reflexively asked well like what's the point in kind of a negative way when I was being told that I'm immortal and I'm not gonna die like none of us are and one of them got like super angry-ish and just ran up in in my face and was like pointing at me like this and was like would you really want it any other way and then the whole thing vanished and I was like oh fuck dude now like really really helped me out in numerous ways as far as like not being so dependent on on the why and like true understanding of everything and just like surrendering to the process and letting everything unfold and uh yeah that experience is still with me hopefully i articulated that in a way that's understandable but that experience is is with like with me and like everything that i do and contemplate and stuff now so like um, it really instilled a sense of gratitude for me, but in the moment it was very, very difficult. And I've had, 
I've had numerous really challenging experiences, most of which obviously deal in deprogramming distorted belief structures and stories that I've been living with. And something really very strange happens to me in that regard with ayahuasca in particular. Um, and this happened in our second ceremony last week in Costa Rica at Soltara as well. And I was really struggling and the whole group knew because we have these ceremonies, you know, beforehand, like, you know, what's on your mind? What do you, what's your intention? What are you going to be working on? And we, I mean, our ceremonies were like five hours long, like yeah. each of us got really deep in with each other. And uh, one of the things that I've always struggled with is the like, perceived like inability to to like allow myself to receive love mm -hmm. like i have like a like a like a nervous system just like uh like uncomfortable like discomfort when people try to give me love and stuff which makes no sense right. and you know we because like I, I i i give a lot of love all the time like why why can i not accept the reciprocity when it's directed towards me and like in what i do and stuff like people direct love towards me often and i had this just blockage of like i can't it's it's like i couldn't believe it like it's like it wasn't even real you know what i mean like my brain just blocked it all it was very strange so i asked i mean i've been struggling with this my whole life and and i asked uh Maestro Orlando, we were sitting with uh, El Dragon de la Selva, and incredible, incredible jungle wizard, this guy. And uh, he gave me some answers that didn't make any sense at first. And then in ceremony, it ended up being like the perfect seed phrases that I needed to unravel this whole familial trauma that was just crazy, starting with some stuff that happened to my mom when she was young. And then this developing into um you know long it's 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 a really long cosmic puzzle how it gets here but it, developing into like this inherited innate sense of like undeservingness and unworthiness that was so deeply ingrained in me from like a generational standpoint mm. that i couldn't even see this program operating and so like the whole experience really began revolving around um like self-love and worthiness as a means to be able to allow that channel to open to receive that love when it's re reciprocated by other people um and it was like this cosmic puzzle solving of every memory because like in in ayahuasca my brain can hold like a million data points at the at one time where i'm usually like five tops and like I'm like all of these things are interconnecting in my experience and I'm directly experiencing this as tapping into the story within my DNA and so like my all of my ayahuasca experiences anybody who hasn't read the book the cosmic serpent by Jeremy Narby if you're into this please please read that book five times and so this experience is genetic in nature you you're tapping into your morphogenetic field and you can witness this in the visionary space as it's happening and you will know you will know that it's happening and um you're controlling and rewriting these genes which i believe are those non-coding genes contained in what we call junk dna hmm. that's really a subconscious programming of archetypes on which your subconscious mind operates it's like the playbook for your subconscious mind and you have the ability to go in there and make edits consciously as you 
bridge this connection through entheogens, through meditation, whatever, however you get there, same top of the same mountain, right? And so when we're, when I was in this state, um, I was running through my whole story and like my mom and my sister and all of these crazy traumas that have unfolded over our lives and how they do kind of rewrote our books subconsciously and how I have the power right here right now to, to undo this programming. And so I was doing this and as I'm doing this in my visionary space, like all of these like little genetic ladder puzzle pieces are like interlocking and clicking Mm -hmm. into place. And as I get to the pinnacle of the thought process, this, this is what I was talking about earlier. This, this is very specific to ayahuasca for me. And it's very real as I get to the pinnacle of the thought process that will allow me to release this distorted belief program this thing comes into my mouth and it's like a very distinct, this is talked about in the shamanic cultures too. They call it Yake and Mariri, Kenyon, mm. shamanic phlegm, they call it. And it comes into my mouth and it's like the size of a BB and it's mm. hard. And this thing is the physical manifestation of this distortion that I've been carrying. It's fucking insane. And so I know when it comes in my mouth, this is the thing. And when I spit it in the bucket, that's like the contract with myself that I'm going to fucking fully get rid of this right here, right now. And everybody around me in this circle has got my back to fucking purge this out of my soul. Right. So right when I get to the pinnacle of the thing, at first I resisted it and I fucking swallowed it. And I was like, dude, why'd you do that? Why'd you fucking do that? So I had to start over square one. And it was actually beautiful because I ended up getting back to it through a different train of thought of fucking like another hour. I'm talking about, I had right. to start all the way over when I swallowed this fucking thing. And so I finally get it up again. The way it comes in my mouth is indescribable. It's like, it just shoots up and appears there. And, and there's no words to, to describe the sensation of when this thing comes up and I know it. And my visionary space has just all clicked from this, like kind of, like starts as like this chaotic puzzle where all the pieces aren't together into this beautiful mandala of like understanding of the nature of myself and how I how I acquired this distortion and how badly I want to get rid of it and and like how this like moment is like destiny to get rid of this belief system it's the fucking craziest thing and so the thing comes in my mouth I spit it in the bucket I had the most cathartic purge of my entire life. It was so fucking epic. And like with ayahuasca, so many people are like worried about the purge and stuff. And they don't want to be nauseous and all that. And sometimes the plant material just doesn't sit well in your stomach. That used to be the case for me. And just like you get this nausea that's just unpleasant and it's not the purge. But when, when the purge happens and you you don't you don't force it you don't make yourself throw up because you're feeling nauseous it's always core when it's a true purge it's correlated to your psychological thought process in that moment so for me it was the understanding of how i got this distortion of belief and how it was not serving me and how i needed to get the fuck rid of it in order to progress in my life and, and live in my fullest expression because once i could open my heart I could move my awareness into the blue-ray center or the throat chakra, whatever you want to call it, which is your how you show up in the world to articulate and speak your truth and your expression to its fullest and whatnot. So the inability to like receive the reciprocated love from doing that thing was keeping me right here. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't fully get into this expression, right? And um, so, yeah, like 
dude when i tell you like this purge was like the most fucking cosmically orgasmic thing i've ever experienced so good and i've and i've 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 done this numerous times and and put some stuff in the bucket but this one was just so important to me and and i had totally gotten there before i let it up that i was just like pure catharsis and i was right next to eric gotzi and he and i have had he and i i love that dude so much because he hit his mind and my mind interface in this in this certain way where we're like we really understand each other on this on this unspoken level and like he and i had a long conversation about this that i was struggling with earlier that day while reading lunch and uh and he was right next to me in ceremony so like whenever i was like whenever it was coming up and I just kind of overflowed it was just like I knew God's he was right there and I knew he knew what I was going through and I knew he had my back and I just felt him like holding the space for me to fucking like fuck yeah dude you got there get rid of that shit you know so it was really special man really really special so but yeah that's uh those experiences are always challenging man because you you really have to you got a couple hours to solve the puzzle and luckily the, the the solving of the puzzle seems to be guided by an intelligence right that's that, that we call mother ayahuasca it's really a plant consciousness of some sort that you know and and at the ultimate level it's it's our own consciousness but really what it feels like is a third density experience is that this is other this this it has an other quality to it you know whether that's an illusion or not is uh, is up for debate but and it, it really it really helps you get there and uh, facilitates for you as the guide, like the maestro and the facilitators are, are really just space holding on a really high level to, to allow this intelligence and to allow your, your remembrances to, to come through the law of one material refers to healing as um a process that's entirely within the self with no with no exceptions and that healing implies a direct remembrance of the law of one of the of faith of the fact that all is well and all has been well and of the pure unity of thought that acts as the backdrop of all things and that when you really remember that on a deep level when you enter these deep healing spaces your mind body spirit complex can rearrange itself into a form more congruent with the law of one so you you literally physically spiritually mentally get rid of these distortions and you become a form or a vessel that is in a a a deeper understanding of the unity of all things and that is how healing occurs and that there's no exception to this i really resonate with that absolutely me too yeah there's so much there thank you for sharing it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. set of experiences it's a we all work in reverse order here it's funny because something i often say and i believe fully as a facilitator is really if we're bowling i'm the bumpers on the bowling alley i'm just helping you stay out of the fucking gutter and then there's you throwing the ball and then there's mother ayahuasca or you know mushrooms or whatever plant teacher is there with you that's like helping you to throw the ball and hit the pins but it's you throwing the ball and hit the pins and you know sometimes someone doesn't want to throw the ball at all and that's resistance and they sit there holding the fucking ball and it's like painful and gets heavy after a while and they have you know a difficult experience about that right um but yeah it's this art of you know i'm nowhere near the level of 
the people you're sitting with there, but that art of holding space truly is creating spaciousness for you to do your work and to yeah. go through your experience. It's funny, the one other thing that stuck out to me is how uniquely and ubiquitously human it is to have a really good thing going and ask why. Like you're yeah. sitting there with the counsel of your infinite <laughs> progressions of lives and like you're probably pretty no. much enjoying your life and only humans yeah. would be like, why? <laughs> yeah, I know. That was, that was the lesson. It definitely made me feel pretty dumb about that. I was like, man, no doubt. No doubt. Dumb question. Pass. Pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and that exactly fair enough is the ultimate condensation of that experience because it was all i could all i could reconcile it to because like they're like no further questions your honor like that (laughs) we're done i get it thanks yeah that that was like i said that experience carries with me everywhere because i fucking I wouldn't say struggle, but it's a blessing and, a, and, a, and an immense curse at the same time to like have an insatiable desire to understand everything around me. And like, sometimes I'm just like, bro, just be cool. Like, just, just fucking just be here bit. now. And yeah, yeah. Like live a little, bro. And like, yeah. you know, and it works, uh, you know, often But then the other little part of me is like, oh, like what's fucking what's going on here? Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, I had a similar but different experience a while back where I went through this psilocybin journey. It's one of the largest journeys I've ever done around like seven and a half grams of penis envy and was just like, I was deep and I was on, I had some primers because one beautiful thing about journeys is art is like a portal depending on the type of art. And this both means music, but also physical art. And so you can really fall into certain symbolic images and really get deep into the meaning of them. So I had this one painting that I had done of the tree of life and basically had the hero's journey of progressing through all the different sephira and coming up to the top point, which is, you know, ultimate unity with God. And as I emerged into this space where I was aware of total unity with God, which in and of itself is still a level below total unity, but you know, felt experience was total unity. It was terrifying because it was literally like, I remember I moved my finger a little bit and there was a glitch across all realities and like something had happened. (laughs) And I was like, oh, oh, like if you are ultimately powerful, everything does something right right. if you're responsible for everything that is right and it was this overwhelming sense of like oh wow that's a lot of responsibility huh Hmm. and ultimately at the back end after you know a couple days of soul searching and being like what the fuck was that there's this gratitude for the scope that our human experience has like well i'm responsible for this physical shit around me that's pretty good actually that's actually sick because that was a lot not saying I never want to be back there, but my personal specific human consciousness is not a wide enough aperture to hold all of that. At once. Yeah, yeah, really. totally. That's the that's the paradox, and that that paradox is what I perceive to be the fundamental like emanation 
or like generator of creation is the simultaneous attraction and repulsion to unity at the same time this is the toroidal field that that drives all things is like like you 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 want it and then you touch it and you're like no thanks and then you're back to this and then, but then you're like ooh, what was that like again and then do and then this is the breath of the cosmos and this is like that that electric charge right that positive negative duality of, of repulsion and attraction is what keeps the whole thing spinning mm. yeah it's the reason for the levels of abstraction on the way to yeah. there so that we have something you know ayahuasca is a great example like it's not that the spirit of ayahuasca is better than you as an individual it is just a more vast consciousness at this stage so when you interact with it, it has this expansive feeling to it. You're like, oh, wow. And it kind of helps you like pull the blinds a little bit and go like, eh, see, look in here. Yeah. Whoa, what's up over here? And then at each level of abstraction above that, it becomes more and more difficult to actually hold what it is. And, you know, people right. have like 5-MeO is a great example. Like there are people who have built the skill of holding the vision that they get and bringing it back and usually that skill is built through practice with other psychedelics to be blunt like but you know there are people who build it through meditation practices and other things and then there are people who haven't built that skill and when they go into that space without that skill it's like they went to china and don't speak chinese so they come yeah. back and like yeah there was stuff there fuck i had no idea what anyone was saying though i'm confused as hell because <laughs> yeah. their brain isn't yeah. like yet widened to hold the foreignness which i think is like the fundamental component it's like it's so different than the human experience there's almost like an mm -hmm. off switch that goes where you're just like eh, what huh yeah. infinitely folding geometric what huh yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah yeah i think um you know one of one of my major breakthroughs in understanding the nature of the fractal geometry and in understanding the, the unity of what's happening between your mind body and spirit as a complex system that are all interrelated during these visionary experiences was understanding that um and I, I can't say this as fact, but this is my direct perceived experience is that as I'm experiencing these fractal geometries that are um, directly correlated to the train of thought that I'm on, that that these are the folding and synthesis of new proteins within my synaptic clefts mm -hmm. in my in my brain. And it's suggested in science now that as you recall brain memories, you're activating the 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 um the DNA within the neurons to synthesize new proteins and that these proteins are synthesized as a representation and the holding of that memory and then they're put back into long-term storage right and so proteins by their nature are geometry this is the this is the translation mechanism of the amazing code that we call DNA ultimately it's it's a, it's a language that 3d prints us into being and it begins with letters, which are amino acids, and words, which are strings of amino acids that we call peptides. And then those peptides are strung into longer strands called polypeptides, like paragraphs. And then those paragraphs are folded into a very particular 3D geometry. And that's what we call a protein. And its geometry is actually what governs its function. So it's not even the string of peptides. It's how it's folded in 3D space into these geometric patterns. And so like, understanding that as like kind of one system of like 
these patterns are literally what is printing me into being like we're created of these 3d geometric proteins and it's the geometry that gives it its meaning in reality that gives it its job that allows the 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 fundamental first density forces of the universe meaning atomic bonds and whatnot it's the geometry that allows for certain atomic bonds to happen unhappen enzymes to cleave this it's like perfect intelligent geometry that allows for our physical vessels to operate and function and get here in the first place and so like as i experience those those patterns that are correlated with my thinking i realize just how singular this whole system is like it it is one mind body spirit and they're all equally important sacred and relevant to this experience one does not just function separately from the other and so like my perceived experience is that i'm creating these new proteins and these new beliefs and storing them in my brain and these proteins are perceived by me as this geometry it's super interesting i've not heard it put that way before but it makes a lot of sense and kind of clicks into place you know one of the phenomena that we know of now that we have things like video and podcasts and different ways of capturing things is that memory is pretty accurate all things considered but not that accurate and so it makes total sense that there would be this process of reactivation of the latent protein that's sitting there and then it brings it back and it basically has to grow again from seed to tree and in that process of growing from seed to tree it's not necessarily going to grow exactly the same every single time and so over time it's right. not it's not a one-to-one storage you know like we we're talking about the fractals earlier that recursion proc- process creates slight difference as we go and so there's slight difference happening in the reactivation of the memory it's actually you know they've measured this phenomena that the amount of times that you recall a memory that's a certain amount of time old it will become more and more different so it's almost as if you mm. corrupt the file a little bit every time you access the memory unless you have a, a source material like it being written down or something which is right. really interesting it's like each time you go into that file it's <clears throat> oop, oop, slightly changed right. right yeah and that makes sense with uh what i was just riffing on is in the cosmic serpent by the way mm. and uh what 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 it really makes sense because at like what's posited and suggested in that material is that as you recall a memory, you synthesize a new protein that becomes somehow in a way I'm not claiming to understand the physical manifestation. And like, it's like a hard drive, like a piece of Ram or something in your brain. And if you're distorting that through the recall and through the truth that you're telling yourself and the story that you write about what happened and then you synthesize a new protein and put it back into long-term storage then of course you've just given yourself a virus and i think that's unavoidable and it's not necessarily a bad thing it seems to just be a, the fundamental way shit works with memory and you know for whatever reason and that's because probably that the story that we tell ourselves is more important than the actual experience the meaning that you're painting onto the thing is far more impactful to your life and the way you operate than the actual objective nature of the thing or whatever happened. That's why in my track, One Truth, I really focused hardcore on that line. There is one truth, your truth, because that's fucking it at the end of the day. The meaning that you paint onto anything is more important than the thing. And that's kind of our function here is being a living, talking, breathing 
wave function collapser and observer because there's 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 this objective nature of reality if there's such a thing i don't think there is such a thing and the quantum physics seems to be demonstrating that more and more on a daily basis as a matter of fact that the thing is just a waveform at all times and the only important thing as an artist is what meaning you're painting onto it and all of us are these walking artists painting meaning on this shit constantly and does the thing have meaning without you painting it on there that's a fucking unanswerable question dude it's a zen koan <laughs> yeah no exactly yeah it really is it's a whole like the tree makes us falls and those ears and make a sound whatever and like because it could be either you know the stories we paint can be either a virus or an antibody and this is the process of trauma healing is going back to your old stories of things that happened to you and rewriting them and going okay this is what happened yeah first i accept the reality of it great there it is then i rewrite it in such a way that is now beneficial for me yeah really simplifying things here but go i go in and i go how did this happen for me and what have i learned as a result which is a new story you paint on top of the old one or what many people do when they don't have this process is oh things are just terrible in my life because of what happened when i was a kid and then they give away their agency in which case it's a virus right yeah exactly yeah yeah and when that thing came up in my mouth during ayahuasca past week i really had a profound gratitude and like reverence for it as being a beautiful virus that i've been carrying and this virus is what made way for this experience of learning and growth about the nature of self that was so deeply hidden within me and how it got there and how i can use this understanding to hopefully help someone else in the future who's struggling with the same thing because some people in the circle were really relating to me and 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 my share and came and talked to me after and like are also struggling with that like inability to receive love thing and and uh yeah so like we were able to kind of kind of work through it and talk through it and everything and and anyway my point is i just realized how beautiful it was to carry this virus because without it i wouldn't have had the room for that growth and that experience and those understandings to unfold and and yeah it's just really a beautiful thing yeah, absolutely. I'll try to loop this in here to make sense. But, you know, something I often talk to people about is a question I get all the time is like, how do I discover my purpose? How do I discover what I'm here for? And my retort is always, well, why do you think you're ready to receive that? Like, why do you think you're fully ready to grasp the entirety of what you're here for on this planet? Because it's equally likely to be fucking terrifying. <laughs> as it is to be beautiful and inspiring and these things that happen to us that cause a difficulty receiving fundamentally becomes an abundance block on some level but we think of something that's an abundance block as only a negative whereas maybe the universe this is a silly metaphor but i hope it'll work maybe the universe has been waiting to give you 10 million dollars but you've been a heroin addict. So you've had an abundance block, but it's there for a reason. It's actually positive. Cause if the 10 million came while you were still in a heroin addict, like you're just, you're fucked. <laughs> you don't have the tools right. to handle the next iteration of responsibility. That's one level above where you are. So right. we can release these blockages 
and be grateful for them because they served us at some level. Like maybe I wasn't strong enough to hold what comes next until just now. Right. And if I had been able to prematurely release it, who's to say that the next thing, which may be more difficult, more scary, bigger, for sure. It's definitely going to be more expansive. My next thing to tackle wouldn't have just terrified me shitless because I wasn't ready to hold it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly the process of how these unfoldings happen as you move through those energy centers or that processing chain for consciousness. And as you like really embody the next, the next kind of step, that's, it's definitely been my experiences. That's how things unfold and the universe will give you the thing that's in resonance with the lesson of the center that you're currently working on in consciousness. I think that's the nature of, uh, of, of magic also is that, you know, the first step in understanding magic is understanding that reality bends to your will, whether or not you realize it. Um, the second step is realizing that these hidden forces of nature you know which you can call any name um communicate through the the endless stream of often seemingly random data and that when you begin to pay attention to that data whether you do so through a process of creating some sort of ritual or ceremony where you're tuning your instrument or tuning your perception to be able to to appreciate and and pick pick out these patterns or whether you just do it in day-to-day -day life because you're paying attention it gets easier as time goes on and it's an interactive thing as you begin to understand the way that the universe unfolds in in ways that directly communicate with you about the lessons that you're currently learning and uh that's that's been like a major game changer for me in my path and like recognizing synchronicity and paying attention to it and fucking saying yes and listening as much as I can. I'm getting pretty fucking good at saying yes. I used to not be so good at it. And um, yeah, like just following that path has been like a really profoundly life altering thing to pay attention to the magic that surrounds me constantly in the universe and and filter this data and make sense of it and it always makes sense when you can think about it and that's when you kind of get to the state of consciousness that robert robert anton wilson calls chapel perilous and the cosmic trigger you read that book i haven't no but oh man you should you would love that book um but he calls a he calls this state of consciousness that you get into inevitably when you start doing work in consciousness where it's kind of like you're wondering whether you're nuts and you're just telling yourself this story or whether like the universe and like other forces are truly communicating with you like beyond the veil and all he calls that state of consciousness chapel perilous and it's a beautifully fucked up place to be in yeah. and like anybody who gets in work in consciousness ends up there like very fucking quickly and it's like up to you to get out of it right on whatever side you come out on but yeah it's a it's a beautiful process yeah yeah it's super interesting i'll have to read that book it, it reminds me of the uh you know crowley would talk a lot about just for the process of magic that you had to like a critical component of magic was inflame yourself with prayer and that always stood out to me as like a very specific instruction which is to say you can't just be doing the motions there's a critical component of both belief and witnessing in the process of manifesting anything. 
So this is why someone who every morning says, I am rich, I am rich, I am rich, as their mantra doesn't get any closer to being rich. Because they every time they say that, their brain says right back, fuck you. (laughs) No, we're not. (laughs) Objectively not true. So this idea of, you know, the the belief and in meshing yourself with the belief and pointing the belief at a target and as you witness the synchronicities these are confirmations of the belief i think it was carl jung that said like i no longer look for synchronicities i look for if they stop happening that's how i know i'm off track which i've experienced in my own life like there's periods where i'm really just like nailing it and it's just all synchronicities (laughs) it's like oh this is clearly why i'm on the right path cool good to know yeah exactly yeah 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 and and belief is is the whole thing man like like i was saying uh, as far as reality bending itself around your will whether or not you know it what that means is at the fundamental level it's it's your genuine beliefs that warp reality around you not the ones that you tell yourself you have so like you were saying like i'm rich i'm rich I'm well no you're not it, it 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 goes into a much deeper process of manifestation and the and the work and timeline it would take to to manifest this and the belief around your capabilities of it and the belief around that being your purpose and you being in your full expression doing that thing there's like so many as you know there's so many subtleties to it but underlying all of that is a genuine belief about what you will or will not achieve or will or will not have or whatever and that belief is the fundamental catalyzing driver of how your reality is manifest around you and it's like so much more complex than just like thinking that you want this or something and getting it like so many people seem to like believe sometimes like with you know manifestation becoming like a household word and all that yeah yeah it's 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 really interesting to to really to really believe and understand that the universe is consistently conspiring for our growth at all fucking times in these weird ways that manifest both psychologically and physically and that's one of the mechanisms that really helped me understand that psychologically and physically are two sides of the same coin Mm. and maestro orlando and ceremony said something that really shook everybody up it was really great someone was having an experience where she was um like thrashing around and like disturbing uh like kind of the person next to her and like accidentally throwing stuff on her and stuff and uh we were talking the next day and um we were kind of like the one who was like taking the beating kind of inadvertently she was kind of talking about how like it was like this chaotic state of her mind that that it put her in and how she was just like trying to find compassion and like calmness in her mind and how it kept happening and how she couldn't find that that calmness and stuff and maestro orlando was saying that like what is happening what is happening externally is what is happening internally and he said it very blatantly and just like very simple direct translated like that and like that clicked for everybody as the phenomenon that i'm describing like your mental processes are consistently being expressed in physical reality whether or not you know it this is the basis of so much shit like cleanliness and 
hoarding and like you know like you're consistently expressing this stuff around you and then the other things that happen that you seem to not have control over and that's where the layers of the veil get deeper and deeper because like you do have control over it and it's fucking crazy man yeah absolutely as within so without and yeah it circles back fully to that thing we're talking about at the top of the conversation which is the beautiful gift of the experiences both you and i have had of kind of accessing this universal unconditional love at some point because it means that i don't just conceptualize that the universe is conspiring in my favor i've had the felt fucking experience yeah. of it. i'm like oh cool been there so no matter what how like difficult or fucked up things seem i've got that as a core belief that i've personally experienced which is a superpower like if i could yeah. guarantee that experience for people and give it in a pill i would give it to fucking everyone <laughs> like take yeah. this this will make things better no matter what life path you choose if you have this at the core things will be easier um 100 <laughs> and that's how it has to be it, it it has to be a felt experience because if not it's just an interpreted belief based on someone else's felt experience and this is the basis of all religious cultural programming is that these are just linguistic translations of a felt experience from someone else who more than likely is having the exact experience that we're talking about and then tried to talk about it and realize oh fuck this is not working like this is people aren't understanding because they didn't experience it Two thousand years later, here we are, and then, exactly. yeah. So, but yeah, like this—that's why I, I resonate with the idea that, like, regardless of how people choose to get there, we're we're hardwired for this temporary experience of remembrance. We're literally biochemically wired for this. So, whether you get there through meditation or whether you get there through entheogens, it's my personal belief that if you want to get get where I'm talking about with meditation and you live in America, good luck. If you like go move to the mountains for a decade with in a monastery, you'll have a much better shot in my opinion. But there's simply too much stimulus and there's too much embeddedness in society and the inner workings of the cultural distortion that we call Western life that is it makes it exceedingly difficult to enter the state of oneness through meditation alone this is my experience and the things i read and whatnot i can't speak for everybody but maya has a lot of tentacles that pull you right back in <laughs> exactly exactly and uh yeah but regardless of how you get there having this experience is paramount to understanding your purpose and your abilities and your capabilities and achieving that level of faith like that everything is good like this this thing is it's going to keep going regardless there's you know when you when you kind of lose your attachment to your current temporary perception of self that's the moment that you realize that the immortality set in because if you can identify at the most fundamental level with this field of unity then you know at all times that death is an illusion and what you do with that is up to you like i said it kind of bummed me out at first i was like fuck like okay but then it's like that experience really catalyzed the change in my thought process and i'm like oh fuck the why we're here so i'm gonna give myself a new why every time i'm born and i'm gonna execute that why and hopefully it serves the collective and serves evolution and does whatever it's supposed to do in the universe and like Just the idea of surrender like we're exactly our human consciousness is not it's not meant to hold the concept of infinity 
So when we brush up against these moments where we're like, oh, holy fuck. So it's just over and over again. Like the hardware we have is not a receiver for that concept yeah. <laughs> at this stage of our evolution. And so it's right. no wonder that it just puts us into this space of like, uh, I'm spiraling because what does that even mean? That's where surrender comes in. Go, okay, cool. Same thing about yeah. you know, conceptualizing God. Like what made God? Like, well, why would I think I could understand that? with like i can't right. even be aware of everything in the room with me right now <laughs> right and yet i'm trying to conceptualize this okay the attempt is fine but don't get spun in the little eddies of whirlpools off the side right yeah man yeah i think that's that's super accurate and like you know that's why i struggle with with like articulating what this notion of infinity really is because at at the like the, the core truth of the matter is that it is incomprehensible it, it literally is ineffable it's the most unspeakable thing that we could ever even attempt to conceptualize and like pure unity of thought it's such an elusive concept while well, i'm stuck in this in this vessel in this framework in this limited vehicle but it's still really fun to to think about and just i can hold it as a model like out here but it can only be understood when it's felt and this is what we're talking about this direct experience of communion uh, the, the the word communion means union with everything mm. and like that is that is the experience of direct communion that has been replaced over millennia with a placebo in some religions obviously it's a cracker and we call that communion and stuff with god when in fact these experiences are to be had within oneself and without oneself at the same time and uh yeah i think that's kind of highway robbery that 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 it's been stolen from from western culture as it has what's so funny because the the instruction manual is right there it's communion mm -hmm it's the connection to this huge thing and literally in the practice of the wafer is the idea that the thing itself is transformed into something much greater than what it appears mm -hmm. it's like it's right there <laughs> but yeah. nobody is teaching that it's yeah. just no yeah you eat this and then that is uh you know then your sins are good <laughs> don't worry about yeah it. i mean it's a it's it's the lack of context i was talking about earlier it's just the repetition of this same basically meaningless thing it's encoded so it's not meaningless when we're like this is my body eat from it da, da, da. but they almost never give the fucking context for people to decode it i mean in a sense it's like okay well you got to go figure it out on your own but like in learning these types of things and these stuff because like point blank the bible really is one of the greatest books ever written and, and it is encoded in a perfect fashion but the reality of the situation is like there are three types of people who seek truth <clears throat> and how they learn that truth the first need myth and allegory for things to make sense this is their conceptual model of reality it requires like these dense concepts require myth and allegory for it to like spread into their psyche and begin to make sense. And these are relative comparative fables and stories and da da da. The unfortunate one of the three is people who mistake those myth and allegories as history, because that seems to be like a really prevalent problem in, in, in this path of seeking. And then the third type of people, which I identify with, I guess, most 
are the people who are primed to just seek the information as it is and then digest it through their own frameworks and don't really require myth or allegory they just can accept it for what it is and kind of give it an analytical framework that seems to be the the, the group that i'm in in my path um but yeah ultimately though those that 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 ritual of communion and especially because i grew up catholic so it was like super weird dude like just super weird vibes <laughs> like really What's going on here <laughs> dude weird vibes and there's no i'm like six there's no con like context for what the fuck is happening other than repetition and repetition it's programming mm -hmm. and i became aware of this at like a really young age my mom always tells this funny funny ass story um i was sitting in this place called st margaret mary church where i grew up a catholic as fuck church and uh I was like four or five and I was like tugging on my mom's shirt like mom when can we leave like when, when can we get out of here and she's like she was like telling me to shut up and she's like uh we're gonna leave whenever you see everybody else getting up and leaving so I stood up on the pew and screamed like all right everybody out and like in the middle of church let's go yeah it's fucking it's just super weird vibes in there man but it's because of the lack of context it's because of the lack of ex ex explanation in a relatable way that people can actually digest of like what we're representing here but instead it's like we're eating jesus and that's it which on the face said, like, yeah. yeah we're eating jesus that's weird i gotta give it to him though dude that church wine was hidden dude it's i was so like well, especially dude, it's so good <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> not bad yeah. Yeah, dude, it's so good. What vintage is this? Yeah, it's so yeah. funny because like one of the things I've observed over and over again is societies passed, not unanimously, but many of them had rites of passage and rites of passage at their core was a moment for someone to touch the ineffable through a very structured way. And the touching of the ineffable was what transformed them from, let's say, boy into man. Yeah. And it was a critical piece of the process because it gave them the connection when they right. came into maturity now you're connected to everything that is you're a full adult because you've actually sensed this interconnectedness of the universe and even just rituals like communion you can imagine the difference if you fat like even if i gave you no context beyond what is presented in the church but i had you fast for seven days beforehand and then go through that experience you probably get something fucking out of it <laughs> you know, all right food and the importance of oh, everything and this thing could be one thing but also another thing oh kind of like me huh mm -hmm. and you'd start to have realizations but we've stripped it we've made it palatable air quotes and this is why you know when westerners hear about traditions like the sundance like they do what to your what mm -hmm. they hook you and yeah. then wait no water either and it's like yeah because that's a there's critical components of intensity and the intensity is what actually can aim us at the ineffable but the intensity right. is not there back to the inflame yourself in prayer then you don't get there so we have a sanitized version of religion in most cases that kind of creates this like shallow representation and actually turns people off to the truths that are there I, right. I grew up lutheran and i remember for many years just being like that was fucking stupid like religion is evil. <laughs> i'm like well no it's just misguided like there's stuff there though yeah 100 yeah man there's there's stuff 
there's stuff everywhere that's like the the beautiful nature of this mystery game also is just like the endless parallels between all these things that just boggle my mind as to why everybody thinks that theirs is right and all the others are evil intent intentional evil that's the one that really fucks me up and like like don't see that they're all the same stories with different characters and even like very specific parallels like dates and shit and three days and the winter solstice around december 25th and how many times this fucking happened like the 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 window between the solstice and the 25th i'm talking about and like uh like how how do and the catholic church i was i was watching um a debate happened between ex-catholic priests on facebook the other day and it was so interesting as i was reading some of these these like ex-pastors takes on everything and one of them is like a theologist who has like a doctorate and he was talking about all of his studies and he was saying it was such an interesting thing because he was mentioning how all of these like pagan earlier religions and and the parallels between like the the story of the bible and whatnot and all the, the dates and everything and he said that in his studies what they say as to why that happened is that satan was smart enough and and pre-planned and went in the past and set all these dates up to like you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. just like the craziest way to reconcile yeah. things and just like defend your defend the story as is right. as a literal thing and it's just like that programming runs so so deep but it's ultimately just like a, a another one of those distortions, like the thing I hacked up that I realized is a beautiful thing because it allows for this process of growth and expansion and awareness and all of that. If you were just born with it, then you don't get to go through the process of it. And that's no fucking fun. That's why we're here in the first place is to go through these processes to further understand and peel back the layers of ourselves and our beliefs and how powerful our beliefs affect our reality and all that jazz yeah Yeah. who's to say you know if we were at the ultimate universal abacus and we were counting up the harm versus the good of religion i don't pretend to know because often things that get discounted is like there's a reality to at least at certain points in history christianity specifically allowed us to advance very quickly because it produced a set of standardized values for everyone in the society so that everyone could aim at the same things right like obviously terrible shit happened too but man that was a pretty big thing that allowed us many further scientific revolutions that came after that this was the seed for that so it's it's really interesting topic and something that i always like to look at is just like there's so much wrapped up in religion and there's a core religious impulse in every single person and the people who don't think they have that impulse actually have it extra usually it's just about something that they don't consider to be religion and they get dead on into that so i want to ask you one more question here um as we get close to wrapping so we've got some a couple of your most like difficult journeys what do you think is the biggest question or the biggest thing that you're chewing on now that either you feel you're on the precipice of understanding or just like it's the burning question in your head that you're trying to answer. 
I don't uh I don't really know in this in this exact moment. Um we had some very bizarrely paranormal experiences happen in ceremony three that I'm not gonna get into just yet because I still mm -hmm. need some time to process, uh, as I told you earlier. Mm -hmm. But right now my burning question really has to do a lot with that and that just it was beautiful and incredible and uh very very bizarre at the same time and uh just like a lot to chew on so uh, <laughs> i'm chewing on that right now um but yeah i mean i feel like i got a, a major part of that question answered in my second ceremony last week because i uh I really, I really got rid of that, of that belief that was really preventing me from stepping into my, my full expression, which ultimately I realized like, like my, my lack of my, my feelings of unworthiness were what was preventing me from doing the work to scale to like, like doing all the things, all the things to scale what I'm doing and to scale my expression in the world and my platform and whatnot there was just these feelings of like, well, nobody's going to give a shit, you know, like whatever uh, people are already doing. And like all these stories I was telling myself. And in fact, like it made no fucking sense. That was the paradox because like every time I would like fully express myself it is so well received and people very obviously give a shit. They go out of their way to say that they give a shit. So then I'm just like, why do I believe this? And then I really, I really got around that and that next step after opening myself to like the receiving of love, which was required for me to stay motivated to continue doing the things is what I realized. And like, if I couldn't receive it, I just blocked it out. Then of course, I'm going to keep believing that, uh, that, that it's not coming in, right. You're just shutting the door. So, and you know, you have to accept on some level that, that you do you do need to feel understood and related to by other people to continue doing certain things it's like well that feedback is necessary because i can sit here and think all day about the nature of reality but when i go to share it if people like find it useful that's a lot better and more motivating than if people don't find it useful and i feel like i'm talking to a nobody you know then it's like well, why am i going to keep doing that so anyway i that was my burning question. It was like, how do I get over this? And uh, it was a very complex puzzle that I, I do believe I solved and will will change drastically the way that I operate in the world. Beautiful. Yeah, man. I'm excited to see that unfolding as it comes forward. Thank what you. is the uh, thing or things you're most excited about that you have on the horizon, the future expansions or things you're doing that you're like, this is fucking coming up and I'm excited about it? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm I'm starting a podcast first. Um, I'm actually starting to record it next week. I'm really excited about that. Um, and you know, obviously, I'm working on a bunch of music. I've connected with uh with some other musicians also who have really hold a lot of respect for and gratitude, and we're directly connected now. Numerous of them, and I'm working on projects with them. So, I'm a uh, 
I'm taking I'm taking my time uh with my next releases. Uh I'm like a quality over quantity guy and I put a lot of intention into everything I release and stuff. So I'm not one of those people that's just like trying to pump out new music and it just is what it is. I, I wrestled with that for a while, but I, I like it better how I'm doing it right now. Mm-hmm. And uh so I'm working on some really, really intentional sonic projects that I think the world is really gonna appreciate. And I'm really stoked on that, as well as developing my live performance and uh, like the live experience surrounding it with instrumentation and all that kind of cool stuff so super exciting yeah, yeah, it was yeah. super it was funny this is maybe a couple months ago and i always like hearing these reflection points as someone who puts things out into the world as well but i was just talking to a friend and he was like hey let me show you this track man and he showed me one of your tracks i was like oh uh, oh that's savage yeah cool nice like i actually know him and he's like really like dude i fucking bump his shit i was like yeah as you should (laughs) beautiful points of contact where worlds and positive expansion start to collide and go oh yeah yeah no he's just as good of a guy as his music seems so yeah yeah man well i'm excited for everything you got coming up um where can people find you with the best way to connect with you for the audience if they want to check out your music or if they want to follow anything you're doing? Yeah, it's uh, it's Savage, but S-A-V-E-J. Uh, you can go to savagemusic.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Savage Life, S-A-V-E-J Life. Um, and yeah, all the all the links and stuff are on my, on my page. And I'm on all music platforms and YouTube. And uh, if you just search S-A-V-E-J, you'll, you'll find it. thank you for being on i appreciate you and much love yeah thank you for having me man it's good to chat all right well i hope you enjoyed that episode i certainly enjoyed recording it if you did please leave a five-star review on either spotify or on itunes whichever is your podcast player of choice and share it out with a friend who you think would find it interesting that helps grow the show and helps me get more dope guests on like savage so you can find all of his social media links in the show notes go give him a follow on instagram and check out his music on spotify which i will also link up and of course you can find me on instagram at alexander diesel and you can find all of my cool content i've been putting out recently on there if you're interested in coaching or one-on-one work you can check out some of the links as well to my website where you can book me in for a one-on-one session much love everyone i hope you have a beautiful week and i will talk to you soon